Hello, everyone. You are tuned in to the Trinity Falls podcast. This is Matt, and this is episode 15. Hope everyone's doing well. It is spring, and it is so beautiful out. I haven't been posting uh, too much because I've been uh, I'm coaching baseball now and uh, spending a lot of time outside. So uh, I'm going to try to post two episodes this week so we can finish up our discussion on the Trinity. And so this week, we are going to get into what I talked about last week, and that is how Trinity is just a fancy way of saying dance party and how God exists as a dance party. So I bet you're wondering what that's all about. We're going to get into that today. But maybe just a recap of where we went last week. Last week, we talked about the idea of Trinity and how the word Trinity doesn't show up in the Bible However, as we read the Bible, the ideas that God is three and God is one start to come out. And so we need to think through how we understand that. Uh, Just a little more background, we talked about uh, a few other ways of conceiving of God. We talked about polytheism, which is that there are many gods and there are gods that lie behind different uh, phenomena in the universe. So if, like if it rains, you could say there's a God of rain. Uh, so that would be polytheism. Uh, polytheism, uh, the gods of, you know, the gods are childish. They, they bicker, they fight. Uh, in one story, an ancient uh, Babylonian creation story, the Enuma Elish, uh, it is Marduk and Tiamat who get into a fight and the corpse of the dead body becomes the world. And so just a really uh, childish view of gods uh, where when we look at the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, we start seeing a God who is beautiful, who is holy, who honors creation and says it's good. And it's not just this corpse of a dead God. Uh, we also talked about uh, what we would call philosophical theism. Uh, some of the philosophers in Greek uh in the Greek culture, started thinking of God as the ultimate being that was behind all things. And uh, I think they're right in, in a lot of ways, but they started attaching words like uh, all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, immovable, impassable. Uh, and some of these words uh, have kind of come into the Christian view of God, but they really don't fit because uh, according to these views of God, God is distant. He's far away. He's emotionless. Uh, God is a, a one who starts things. And so the Bible, again, shows a very different way of seeing God. And it shows God as Trinity, uh, three and in one. So we're going to talk a little bit today about how can we think of God as three and one. Uh, this was the d- dilemma for the early Christians because their Hebrew background forced them to think And they wanted to honor that God was one. And so they wanted to hold that up. But they are also seeing that Jesus is being worshipped and people are talking about the Spirit as God. And so did that mean there were three gods? Or did that mean that God was showing up in three different ways? Uh, So they were were wrestling through this for the first few centuries of the church. And so uh, the first main option that uh, some theologians came to uh, was this, that there is one God and that Jesus and the Spirit 
are lesser creations of God. They are not God. They are uh, supreme beings, but they uh, do not contain divinity. So Arius at the Council of Nicaea is holding this view up that Jesus is less than God. And the people at the council uh, reject this because, according to the New Testament, we see verses that say in Colossians, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And this is referring to Christ. And so they had to throw that option out, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus were less than God. Uh, Option two was this, that there are three gods. Uh, This would be called tritheism. And this would say that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all, all, all gods on their own. They, they, uh, there's just three gods. And one of the reasons this uh, was rejected is because of the strong emphasis in the Old Testament, uh, even in the works, words of Jesus, that God is one. So there was a third option. I know your head's probably going crazy. You're thinking, why does this even matter? But trust me, it matters big time. Option three was this. Uh, It was called, uh, I don't know the name, but they believed that God was a third the Father, a third the Spirit, and a third the Son. And God would just show up as the Father, the Son, or the Spirit in different times. Uh, Oh, I know what it's called. It's called modalism. This is modalism. So uh, the Father would show up as uh, the Father sometimes, or as the Son in the New Testament, or as the Spirit. Uh, a lot of times when we try to illustrate the Trinity, uh, a classic one is that uh, the Trinity is like water, because water can be ice, it can be a liquid, and it can be a vapor. So a solid vapor and a liquid. And this is modalism. This is water just doing different things at different times. And uh, the early church rejected that as heresy because uh, of the notion that they saw the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit interacting. This is happening. They're interacting with each other, even in the baptism of Jesus, where the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all present. So they had to reject the idea that God was a third of those each. Uh, so what what do we do? What what did the early church settle on? Well, uh, they settled on what would be probably the most confusing of the options. Uh, see, the idea that Jesus is less than God and the Spirit is less than God, like option one, that's pretty logical. Uh, the idea that there are three gods, uh, you can you can make a logical case for that. Even the idea that there's a third of each present in God, uh, you can make a case for that logically. Uh, however, the early church was always fighting to maintain the, I guess, the integrity of the scriptures and the integrity of their tradition uh, by fighting for what they really saw in the Bible. And what they saw in the Bible was what is what we describe as Trinity. And Trinity means three and one. Uh, tri-unity. And so, uh, so we're going to talk about what that means. Uh, Trinity... Uh, is is important because it shows that uh, from the beginning, God exists as three and one. A lot of times I ask my confirmation kids and high school students, uh, why did God create the world? 
And uh, some of their answers are, well, he was he was lonely. He needed something to do. And uh, I understand that answer, but the the truth is that God was not lonely because God existed in relationship before the world was ever created. This is Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit exist together from all eternity. And so there is this loving relationship that is always happening. Uh, in John, First John, we see this powerful verse that talks about God, and it says, God is love. Like, the essence of God is love. And love always exists to be shared with the other. Uh, love always exists to be shared with something other than uh, yourself. That is what God is. And so uh, some would argue that God, if God is love, God has to be in relationship. God has to be uh, trinity. And so some of the early uh, church fathers and uh, people who talked about this coined a, a word. They used this word called perichoresis uh, to describe the working and the way the trinity existed. Perichoresis. It's two Greek words. Peri means around, and choresis, uh, which means uh, a dance. This is where we get our word uh, choreography from. Uh, so the way that they thought of God was this dancing, this, this moving uh, life of God where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit shared in a dance with each other. And so that's why we say Trinity is a fancy way of saying dance party. Now, this is so important to think of God this way, because so many of us, when we think of God, we have this image of someone on uh, upstairs with a beard uh, who looks down on the world. And our view of God is not a Trinitarian view of God, but our view must be come this moving, living view of God, that God as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in love with each other. Uh, in John chapter 14, uh, we see something so beautiful. We see something so powerful of Jesus explaining uh, this idea of perichoresis. John 14, 20. Uh, if you have a Bible, you'll want to underline this someday. But it says, On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. The one, uh, I'm sorry, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And so Jesus is talking about this dance, that Jesus dwells in the Father, and that Jesus dwells in us, and we dwell in him. And so it seems like uh, the Trinity is inviting us to participate in this dance with God. And so perichoresis is a way of, of understanding God from eternity as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, indwelling each other and sharing space in uh, this, this community of love. And so uh, one of the things we talk about with our JAM students, and I want to share with you, is that uh, when God creates the world, uh, he creates the world's greatest dance floor. Uh, this is Eden. He creates the best dance floor, and he puts on the best music and the best lights and the best refreshments. 
and he places Adam and Eve in this dance floor, and he invites them to dance with him. But there's one thing God can't do. He can't make Adam and Eve dance. They have to choose to dance. And so as God exists in this loving relationship of movement, he's calling them into that as well. Uh, as a, a, I, During seminary, I was a, a wedding DJ, and I know exactly what it's like to try to get people to dance, and you can't do it. You can only create an environment where dancing can happen, but they're going to have to move their feet. And so this is the story of the world. God is creating a world, a perfect, a, a world where it's the ideal conditions exist for this, for these people to join in God's dance. And Adam and Eve choose not to dance. And so the rest of the scriptures are, is the story of God going after humanity, calling them back into that loving relationship with him, that dance with him. Uh, there's a beautiful verse uh, in, in Corinthians where Paul talks about how God will be made all and will be in all. And there's that song, you are my all in all. But like that is the, like, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate uh, end goal of humanity is to be made all in God. And that's what Trinity is about. It's about God existing in community and calling us into that love of life with him. And so uh, that's why Trinity is a uniquely Christian way to think of God, because it's not the, the impersonal theism of Greek philosophy. It's not uh, the childish uh, way of thinking of God in polytheism, but it's a dynamic way to think of God as love, loving community. God exists as community. I think we'll stop right there. Next time on the episode, we are going to talk about how this understanding of God, God as Trinity, has real-life implications, like daily life implications. Uh, So we're going to get into all that next time. Uh, Hey, enjoy your week. Uh, We'll be checking in later, and uh, peace.